Elizabeth Barrett is a wife, mother, grandmother, licensed marriage and family therapist, educator, eavesdropper, and emotion worker. And she uses all of these skills to address the subjects that we're all grappling with in this conversation with the reluctant therapist. Happy Tuesday, Elizabeth. Happy Tuesday, Brad. Where is it that you are going to take us on our uh, field trip? Of thought oh, I today. like that. Our field trip of thought. That is very good. Today, my field trip of thought is taking me to retirement, into retirement, and what that looks like, and what is the history of retirement, and should we retire, or should we continue working until the very end of our lives? And my question out for the public today is if you have retired, do you have any regrets about that? If you haven't retired, why have you stayed working? And what are your feelings about retirement in general? Because this is a topic like many topics. I mean, most things in life don't have an either or an easy answer. It's not black or white. It's always the grays. Life is messy. Right. And everything happens in the grays. And so there isn't a, a, a one answer to this question, but I'm always curious about how people create their own life stories and the thought process that goes into the choices that we make. Because I would argue that whether or not to retire or when to retire is probably one of the biggest decisions that we'll make in our lifetime. Um, because once you step out of kind of that flow of the working world, um, and as much as you know, people look forward to getting out of that pace, that that faster pace of having a job and having responsibilities and needing to be there nine to five or however your work life live works. Um, once we step out of that flow, it's really hard to jump back into that river. It's hard to jump back into that kind of level of um, busyness. And stepping out, if you have regrets, it's, it's, it's challenging to get back into that rhythm ever again. And so you have to think about it, I would imagine, um, quite seriously. And of course, you know, the, the overarching part of this whole conversation is the privileged piece. Are you privileged enough to have the money to retire and to step away from full-time employment or even half-time employment? Um, do you have the health uh, that's necessary and good enough health to be able to continue working if that's the choice? Or are you being kind of forced out of the work that you enjoy doing because of your health? Do you have um, the ability to take care of yourself without having full-time employment or even half-time employment? And there's a lot that goes into that decision that's really unique to the people in, in the, you know everyone's individual life and what's happening uh, for them. So for many people, the idea of retirement is a non-starter because if you don't have any savings and you don't have anything to lean on and you're the only person that's supporting you, then you're working up until the very end. Um, there is no choice in that. And then for other people, there's kind of the existential question, and maybe that's where my brain is, that existential question of what is the meaning of life and how do we create that well-lived life. And if we have the choices financially and geographically and opportunities are there uh, to continue working, how do we make that decision? Because there's that pull between, 
you know, life is short and do what you want to do and make sure you live it to the fullest because you never want to know when it's going to end. Right. But on the other hand, there's people that are living the, the fastest growing segment of our population are those 85 and older. And so if you retired at 65, is the money going to be there to support you all the way through? Um, if your health is fairly good all the way through your 80s and maybe till 90 will you just fill that time with playing golf or you know mahjong mahjong whatever (laughs) that activity is and so when you have the the existential angst or question of what is the purpose of life how do you then decide whether or not to retire um so this topic came up for me because my grandchildren are here this weekend, and whenever they leave, I feel myself torn between two really compelling lives or stories. The one where my husband, who turned 65 in July, so he's there, um, we could kind of cash it all in here, pack it up, and go live closer to our grandchildren and be a part of their lives. You know, I, we have friends that are doing that right now. They bought a house down the street from their grandchildren, and they're planning to be there as much as possible. Another one of our friends goes from one child to the other's house, and they kind of, you know, have their own home. They are there rarely, but they live between the kids' homes, and they get to be there. And I hear the stories of all the family things they're doing. Oh, that's a really compelling life, that opportunity to watch my grandkids grow up. I really like that. And then they leave. And then when I get over the sadness of them being gone and I clean the house and I put my feet up (laughs) and I start thinking about the show and I start thinking about school and I have a few clients that I still see. And my life is very full with these things that really give me a sense of purpose and relevance. And I love that too. That's a very compelling story. This is a very compelling story. And also because I was a stay-at-home mom until my kids are grown, I didn't, you know, start working full-time till I was 48. And so oh, for me, okay. I'm still very I haven't been working at this level, you know, all of my life. I always had part-time work. Um always worked part-time and then my main job was was raising the girls. And so this still feels really vibrant to me, uh, having this kind of different identity in, in society. And that's another piece of that existential question is how, how do we f- feel relevant or what is it to feel like we matter or have a purpose or belong? And, and I will say that I can hear several of my friends' voices saying, who cares? <laughs> who cares about your relevance and your purpose? You know, we're here to have a good time and listen to music and watch our grandkids. So I am torn down the middle between these two really compelling narratives. Um, and so I, that's, that's where my brain is going today, is about this idea of retirement. I'm going to give a little bit of the history of retirement, because interestingly, this whole idea of retirement, like most things, is a social construct. Mm-hmm. This idea that we're supposed to retire at 65 is as random a number as this idea that you're an adult when you turn 18. <laughs> like Both of them are not true. You know, and we we know that more and more uh, through neuroscience that you are definitely not an adult at 18. Uh, You have not developmentally got to that point, and you're not exactly ready to go out to pasture at 65. Um, And so, because these are social constructs, why are we adhering to them so strongly? Some uh, you know, employments, different occupations actually have hard outs. One of our friends is a pilot and he had to retire when he hit that age, even though he's still young and vibrant and probably a better pilot than he was in some ways in his 30s. 
And then, you know, just off the, the side sphere of this conversation is the idea of mental competency. And should we be in jobs that are very important when we're in our 70s or maybe our 80s. And that, again, I would argue is so individual because there are people who have lost a lot of their mental cognitive abilities in their 30s and 40s. You know, do enough drugs or, (laughs) right, or maybe even your developmentally or maybe whatever your biology is. People lose their cognitive abilities at different ages. And so to just have a hard out or this, you know, end point where you're no longer able to continue on in different positions is really um, important to look at individually. And then having said that, I think about my work, you know, being a professor at the university at 62. And when I started working there, I was, you know, 20 plus years older than my students. But now I'm 40 years older than my students. And so I'm so much farther away from that experience um, that I wonder often if I can bring them what they need um, and and understand what their challenges are. And I teach about family. So it's a pretty, um, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is. The, the idea of family, maybe we've changed the way that we've created families or how we identify our families or whether we get married or not, those things have changed. But what hasn't changed is our desire to love and to be loved and be connected, like we talked about last week. So in that way, I feel like I bring that information. But I find myself questioning my ability to cover enough of what's happening in a 20-something's life and what's going to be happening to them moving into the future. But then conversely... <laughs> And the little person on my shoulder says, if you walk away, you're leaving everything to people that are 30 years younger than you that don't have the life experience. Bingo. And and what, what, where are they getting their information, their wisdom? And we continue reinventing the wheel every time we walk the elders out of these positions of knowledge and then leave it behind to see what comes up. So as I started off saying, there is no one answer to this, but I'm always curious to know how people came up with their answers for their lives. So this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and you are welcome to be part of this conversation by joining us at 805-781-3875. You can also send me an email after the program to elizabeth at thereluctanttherapist.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and there's some always a picture on Instagram, and you can leave me a message there if you'd like. Or you can listen to previous shows by visiting kcbx.org. Look under the podcast tab. I don't know what it's under. I always say podcast tab, but I think it's news talk tab. Or yep, it's the <laughs> it's the talk show news. Uh, it's recorded programs A to Z, and then they they break it up. And there we are. Yeah, there you are. Then you can find me all ten years of shows. Uh, or for convenience, you can podcast the show wherever it is you get your podcast. Just search a conversation with a reluctant therapist and hit subscribe and leave a review if you'd like. And uh, then you'll get the show every week at your convenience. So let's talk about retirement and what that means. We're going to take a quick break and come back and continue the conversation right here on Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working. 
I remember when I was younger and first heard this song, and it seemed like such a novelty, haha. But now it's 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 my reality. <laughs> yep, it sure is. It's funny how these things happen, isn't they it? They creep up on us so quickly. I'm Elizabeth Barrett. This is a conversation with a reluctant therapist, and the conversation topic today is retirement. So you may or may not know this, but the retirement age, this construct of 65, uh, came about over actually centuries of conversations or changes in policy uh, throughout the United States and also in Europe. Um, the, the idea that when leaves one job or ceases working at a certain age, the conversation of when or how actually started formally in the 18th century. Uh, and retirement was taken on as a government policy in different countries at that time. The idea that people needed to cease working and move into this time of kind of being in um, out of service in some ways. There really wasn't this idea of a leisure culture or a retirement culture. It was mostly moving out of the way for the working culture to continue on. And into the in the 18th, 18th century, which is the 1700s, uh, there was a Puritan minister uh, by the name of Cotton Mather. And he started talking about the idea that elderly people should be pleased with the retirement in which they're being dismissed to and not complain about no longer uh, being a part of the working society. And by the mid-1800s in the United States, they were already offering to many municipal employees like firefighters and teachers and police officers um, some sort of public pensions. And these government policy ideas kind of spread out and spread out. And again, it wasn't as much for making retirement or this end-of-life period of time uh, better for the working class or the working people. It was really about making space within the industries or being more productive and only having those who are young and fit and quick uh, working at the time. So by the, you know, by the turn of the 20th century uh, into the Industrial Revolution, there was a lot of um, adoption of the idea that aging workers needed to be moved out of the way because in many cases they slowed down the assembly lines, they were taking too many sick days, and they were usurping the spots of more youthful, more profitable men who had families they needed to care for. And so that idea of moving people aside because they were not adding to the labor force was really what, what prompted a lot of the changes in our policy. In 1905, uh, the beginning of the 20th century, there was a speech that was given at Johns Hopkins uh, University, and it was by their valedictorian that year. And his idea was that the best working years uh, for men was until the age of 40. 25 to 40, and that you could tolerate workers up until the age of 60, but at the age of 60 and older, that workers should be put out to pasture. This prompted a lot of research into what working lives should look like. And 
moving into post World War One, after the Roaring Twenties, moving into the you know the Great Depression, the unemployment levels in younger generations started to become a real problem and issue because much of the older populations were resisting retirement at all. They didn't want to be moved aside. They didn't want to be moved out of the working world. And this became worse in the Depression because so many people uh, were needing jobs, younger people, to support their families, that in 1935, the Social Security Act was passed, which set the age of retirement then at 65, and it promised a funded retirement from that point forward. As a side note, though, the life expectancy for men in 1935 was 58 So many men didn't even live to the retirement age of 65. And if they did, they were fully funded from that that point forward. Um, It was found, though, that most people who were retired, who were dismissed to their retirement, wished that they actually could still work, that there was nothing for them really to do after retirement. And this resistance by workers uh, to being retired and moving on was so challenging for for uh, industries that they actually met and had these big roundtable discussions of what they could possibly do to make retirement more appealing uh, for older Americans, this idea that they could do nothing and still be happy. And then Florida happened. <laughs> and so here the, the Sunshine State starts building golf courses and making these retirement communities. And now white-collar retirement started looking like a lifestyle that was sold, that was branded to these people, especially in the Northeast, to say, hey, doing nothing doesn't have to be the rest of your life. You come to Florida, and we will keep you busy and entertained. And also with the rise of television and a lot more movies, there were more things to do. And so the the demographic of senior citizen was born at that time because it never really was a defined demographic until then. And the whole doing nothing becomes a way of life became the mantra of the senior citizen generation. And so that's kind of how the retirement um, movement was sold to the American public, that the idea was we needed to make room for younger generations to come up, and we needed to find a way for senior citizens, uh, elder people in community to find a way to feel like their lives were still worth living. And there's a lot more to that story, because we know so much more about development and how people continue to grow and thrive and are curious into the last moments of their life. You know, in 1935, we didn't have a lot of social psychology studies or research on aging. And so the belief at that time was that you really stopped mentally maturing, growing, changing, uh, taking in new information after the age of 40, that it seemed like that was a hard out. And then everything after that was just decline. But that's been proven to be wrong uh, over and over and over. So we're in this space of how do we determine retirement and what does that look like? Our number is 805-781-3875, and we're talking about retirement. And what are your thoughts? John, you're on the air. Um, I've been retired for 19 years. I'm uh, lucky I have one of those old-fashioned jobs that that, uh, provided a pension. Yes. So uh, I was retired at 52 years old, collected my pension, uh, the only reason I retired at that age is I 
got to the point I didn't really enjoy my job anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I retired with two kids in college. Wow. So I ran the numbers, and I figured, well, all I have to do is work part-time doing something I enjoy, and I could have the same income I had before. Wow. So that's what I did. So I had a variety of jobs that I enjoyed. I worked for a local farm. I did some landscaping, all things for friends. And uh, I was a kayak guide for 15 years. So uh, then when I turned 66, I started Social Security. I didn't really need that income anymore, and then I wanted more time to play <laughs> and not being scheduled. So that's when I, uh, so that was about four years ago, four and a half years ago. I, then I completely retired, and now I haven't worked. But now uh, I spend time with our grandkids. We have a, a four grandkids that live in town in Aurora Grande. Uh, so we pick them up from school and and take them to their house and spend time with them. So it's great to see them and see how they, what they're into. Uh, if they have sports after school, we show them to there. So, so yeah. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like you have any regrets, then, John. No regrets. That's a great place to be. So would you recommend this early retirement for everyone? So I was lucky that I retired and still had medical. That's the big thing for most people now. True. If they could give up a full-time job and then not work or do something fun, but do they have medical insurance? Yeah. Most people are forced to work until Medicare. Yeah. So that's something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I've often I've often wondered that if we had one of the reasons that we don't have universal health care is that those who are in charge realize that if we had universal health care, a lot of people would leave jobs that they didn't like. And so it kind of compels people to keep working. John, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your story. And I'm glad you are enjoying retirement still. Have a great day. This is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and our number is 805-781-3875. So the question's on the table. One, how do we define a well-lived life? Is it around working and feeling productive in that way? Or is it about retirement and what retirement holds? And again, I'm grappling with that those questions often because I don't think I'm the type of person that would be bored in retirement, but I think I would miss the feeling of contributing. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of people that are going to care about anything I have to say if I'm I'm not standing in front of a classroom or if I haven't continued doing my work. You know, I I think about that. Actually, there is a pretty compelling study done about women in academia and that for a lot of women professors, when they retire, it's really tough for them because women lose so much status in society the older they get, as opposed to men as they age they tend to, you know, get that gray-haired wisdom uh, story behind that narrative. And so 
for a lot of women, that stepping aside from those positions of authority is really challenging because they lose more authority and become almost invisible in many ways in society. So what are your feelings about retirement for yourself? What things do you think about or look forward to? Now, I can tell you one of Chris's my best friends right now are in Belize with their grandkids. I see the photos. I feel the compelling story of just having some fun, but I also really enjoy the sense of of getting up every day and having a place in society that feels like it's contributing. I don't know. Uh, Retirement is really considered that active time period uh, between our work life and old age. In some ways, it's like your teen years. (laughs) where that time period between that rapid growth of your childhood and not having a lot of freedom, and you have this brief window of freedom through adolescence and young adulthood until you step into the working world, and then you're kind of committed to that work life until you get your life organized and your kids launched. And then retirement is that space where you're still feeling pretty healthy, still feeling pretty good, uh, feeling like you have things to look forward to. And so that's your time maximizing that you do between your stop ending of your work life and stepping into old age. 805-781-3874. is our number. Trish, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? What do you think about retirement? Well, well, um, I liked it at first. Okay. (laughs) Um, I was retired due to an injury. And um, early, um, in the 50s, early 50s. I'm 54 now. Uh, I spent a couple years enjoying it. I was like, you know, playing video games, doing stuff with my now ex. And then I got bored. Mm. I was like, eh, okay, the video game was fun, but now it's just, blah, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and so then I decided to go back to school, and I'm, I'm currently at Cuesta. What are you studying? Nutrition. Good for you. So are you looking at a whole second career then? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah a whole different direction, um, something more aligned with my hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, I like cooking and, and, you know, exploring different regional and international cuisine. And so I thought I'd, I'd go along those lines and play with it. My, I previously was in the uh, mental health uh, industry. Well, it's interesting because there has been some suggestions that because people are living longer, you know, in the fastest growing population of 85 and older, that maybe we should rethink how we look at Social Security and offer people the opportunity in their early 50s, right about where you are, to step out of the workforce and pull on their Social Security to get retrained or, you know, do some something to kind of enliven their life or take a break or a gap year really in some way or go to a service year and then come back and work again either in a new industry or back to where they were and start building their social social security again so you must have this gap time like you had although you were kind of forced into the gap time but it gave you some time to then feel excited about something new yeah absolutely because yeah, and then it was like, you know, now I'm 54 now, mm-hmm. and so I'm having to do this financial aid over again, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I'm answering questions of, 
or skipping questions of, okay, what is your parents' income? Yes. Because it's so geared toward the new, you know, the generation that just came out of high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm older than my professors. It's hilarious. (laughs) But it, and it, but it is, I think, a really uh, common experience for many people that maybe you don't want to do the same job for 30, 40 years, but you also don't want to not have some work that you look forward to. And so how do yeah. we build that time in for people that they could actually step away and do that? Because again, we're talking a little bit about privilege, maybe a lot about privilege, to be able to have the ability to stop down one job, whether we're forced out of it, and then find another direction. Yeah, um, like the, the, oh, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. I was, I was going to relate to, to something that the gentleman before said. Yeah, what John was saying about having that time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, it's like two lives, you mm-hmm. know, compared to previous generations where we've got, you know, we've got the first life where we have to, like, we have to, or it's like socially ingrained in us in America that we have to get a job. We have to have, you know, this established thing. So it's like whatever we get into as, as a young adult is kind of becomes our career. And then now in this second stage, the second life, when, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, my kid's gone, my kids in their own situation now. And so now I'm like, yeah, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So I might as well go into something that aligns with what I want to do as yeah. opposed to what I had to do the first time. Exactly. Well, I hope you enjoy your uh, classwork and enjoy your next career, Trish. I'm, ha- I'm having a blast. Oh, I'm having a blast. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> it is great. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. I hope you'll continue listening. Thank you. I will. This is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett. And today we're talking about retirement. Are are you retired by choice? Did you retire because you were kind of forced out because of age or circumstance? How do you feel about the idea of retirement, your retirement, the idea of retirement? Uh, Our number is 805-781-3875. We'll be back to continue the conversation shortly right here on Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX. Out of the tree of life, I just picked me a plum. You came along and everything started into hum. Still, it's a real good bet. The best is yet to come. Best is yet to come, and babe, won't that be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and babe won't it be fine I'm Elizabeth Barrett and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist and we're talking about retirement and what that looks like I, I said at the top of the hour that I, I am torn between two very compelling lives and options um, 
I have this sense that, you know, I could keep going like this for quite a while. My husband and I are having a great time. His work situation has changed, so he's mostly remote or is remote. And so it doesn't feel like retirement is 100% necessary. But I will admit there's a, a bit of me, a large part of me, that's kind of curious about what might come up next because I keep thinking of this quote that I have hanging over (laughs) my mirror that says, there are far better things ahead than that which we leave behind. And I don't know if I'm trusting that. And so many times in my life, even to get where I am today, there had to be many things that I left behind that I retired from um, and to get to where I am. And so I don't know why I feel so reticent to let go of this life that I have right now to step into the unknown. It's, it's the first time I've really felt hesitant to take that step. I I have to tell you, Elizabeth, I completely feel what you're, you know, what you're feeling. And I I had a little bit of a preview of it during lockdown. Mm. Okay, because wasn't working during lockdown. And um, so I spent uh, what you you talk about a gap year. Mm -hmm. Well, I spent that gap year, my wife was an essential worker. So she was out of the house. And I was at home. I, by the way, I'm a fabulous house husband. But, okay, it's good to know. Yeah. Uh, but I spent that year learning how to garden, working on my own house, playing music, enjoying myself. But yeah, I also felt out of the loop and there were days that I just didn't go. And so I already kind of felt retired, even though I wasn't really retired. I'm not mm-hmm. drawing Social Security or anything like that. I was just able to take the time off. Um, but when... The opportunity came to rejoin radio again um, through KCBX. I took it and uh, ostensibly just I'm going to do one, two days a week, mm-hmm. one or two days a week. And uh, we can see where that has gone. You know, I, I have a lot of my life here at the radio station. And so I go back and forth myself on that. You know, at this stage of the game, um, KCBX and I have a pretty good thing going. Um do I want to change that to have more time to myself and to go back to working in my garden again and petting my cat? Or do I enjoy having at least the knowledge that I'm contributing to um, public radio and broadcasting? Mm-hmm. Um, and even through to today, you mentioned talking about uh, teaching your class. I have an intern here with me today that I'm kind of showing her uh, the ropes and how it's done. And there's a value in that. You know, we, we, we got to this age for a purpose. Yeah. The, other, the other thing on a philosophical level, truthfully, is that so many of the most important people in my life, starting with my father and my grandparents, they all died before they were in their mid-50s. My father before he turned 40 and my mom before she turned 50. And I guarantee you. The last thing that my dad ever said was, man, if I just spent that 19th hour at the office, everything would have been great. And it was very instructive to me that life is short and you have to really focus in on what you want. And right now, I want to do this show with you and and come and hang out with everybody and and feel that I'm, I'm contributing to this beautiful area. How long does that last? I don't know. At a certain point, I'm probably going to want to. Uh, you know, maybe take some more time. But for right now, I think I'm kind of doing what I want to do until I decide I don't want to do it, always leaving the door open. I think there is that that angsty question of not knowing how long we're going to live. And so if I step out too soon, 
right? Will there be that moment of, oh, wait, why did I, you know, fold up my circus tent so soon? And then conversely, staying with something much longer than maybe you should have. Um, and then we're having regrets that you missed out on that. Those are the things that we can't predict. And there is a bit of luck in those, but there's a couple of the, you know, mental health pieces that I think are also important um, because there's been a lot of research again on growing old in America and what that looks like in our mental health. Um, because so many people are living longer than they ever anticipated or expected to. And their quality of life really, in many cases, isn't that great. Like we hear the outlier stories of people who are running a marathon at 85 or, you know, still living on their own at 90. And those really are the outlier stories, even though most of us can you know, point to one person or their parents who are still doing great into their 80s. But for the vast majority of people, the longer they live, it doesn't get better or easier. It becomes more challenging. And there are a lot of mental health issues that come up for people. And they found that for retirees in general, uh, one in five retirees experiences some level of depression, especially those who are living alone. They're at much greater risk for depression, as you can imagine, especially if their spouse has died and they have stepped away from a work environment that became very... um, like a home to them, the chances of suffering from some sort of clinical depression actually rises by 40% after we retire. And so having something uh, besides retirement, maybe an ability to cut back, being more flexible in our work hours, because we tend to be pretty puritanical and very industrial revolution uh, era in our work habits in many ways. Now, of course, the pandemic changed a lot of people's perspective on what what work looks like. And being able to work remotely has freed people up. And my husband's a good example, because he works remotely. So for him, he was going to be a hard out, you know, at 64, done, because he just got his, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, he hit 40 years with his employer. So for him, he never wanted to be there that long. But the work has shifted so much that he can still really feel like he's part of something. And he's got so much wisdom to pass down to these new engineers coming up that it it feels like a good fit. But again, he has that kind of job to be able to do it. But if you're someone who's doing physical manual labor all day long, your body just isn't going to keep up with that. And so do you have the ability to retire and to make, you know, your life uh, one of leisure time? Because that's one of the highlights uh, in the same research about retirees or who do well uh, post-work. And those are the retirees who have some level of good health and some level of wealth that they can move to some sort of community that has golf and classes and outings and trips that keep them still feeling vibrant and alive and curious about life. So there, as I said, there is no like one way of retiring that really works for for every person. But I wish there was more um, guidance along that way. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist, and we're talking about retirement. And I'm just curious to know how you chose or did not choose to be retired or what your thoughts are on retiring and when do you think that'll happen? What do you think that'll look like to to be retired? Our number is 805-781-3875. You know, the idea of 
being forced to retire would probably lead to more mental health issues than the choosing to retire. And then I'm wondering the way we talk about retirement, is it, you know, just leaving this job and seeing what else comes up? Because that's, I feel like part of the difference of what this place in our life is now is that when we say I'm going to retire, like retire from Cal Poly or retire from this job, it's not like then I go and do a whole nother career. Like the, the intention of the idea is that you, you're done working. I think that's what makes it so difficult because when you're 25, you know, the average 20 something, like Gabe's, my intern is senior in college. So for him, he's looking at multiple jobs, probably the average 20 something now will have three different careers, as opposed to my husband's generation, you got a job and you kind of worked at that same place for like him 40 years. But I don't the 20 somethings who are looking to retire, you know, your retirement age is like 70 now, Gabe, it's not yeah. 65, it might be 72. Yeah. So when you think of all those years ahead, as you step into the workforce, like, do you think you're going to start this job at 22 and retire from the same job at 75? Absolutely. Oh, you do? Yeah. Old man river? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> as long as I feel useful and used. Okay. And uh, f- being in agriculture, it's having a community-based workforce and family and stuff. And when I really do think about my future, I feel like me being there forever is not an issue. That feels good. feels great. Interesting. And, okay. and just having your family around and just always having something to be a part of. Yeah, I would, absolutely. So, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, when you stopped being helpful, they would just send you out on the pack horse. Right. <laughs> okay, just leave you out there. You okay with that too? No. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I, I think I'll still be useful enough, even with my knowledge. I mean, as a young man, being around all these old farmers is absolutely incredible and getting the knowledge that they have for myself to look for the future is something that I want to be. Gabe, I have a question for you. Yes. Or you, you really love agriculture, right? He does, yeah. clearly. Okay, so this is kind of leading me back to common experience. Okay. You know, you really love agriculture. So for you, even a hard day's work is still a pleasure because it's not really work. They, the, the, the thing that they say, if you do something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life, right? right? You know, so... Um, I think if more people had the opportunity to follow their their passions, unfortunately, that's what happens is our our careers oftentimes are not in sync with what our true desires and passions are. And that's that's a sad thing for many of us, much like uh, if your body gives out. But if you're doing something that you really enjoy and you have that community, then you can do it on one level or another until the very end of your working life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. It sounds like that's something you're really looking to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Make, makes sense. I mean, it's again, that's why I'm here, because I'm doing what I, I love doing this and I love broadcasting and teaching and stuff. And if you do that, then you look forward to getting up and you know rushing off versus the 20 years I spent in corporate America um, where that was not the case at all. Right. So, yeah. So do what you do, what you love in retirement and hopefully it will continue to enrich you, I think. Absolutely. So there must be like a really dark side to me because I I feel like that's that's more rare than we think it is, this idea of telling people, you know, follow your passions or do what you enjoy. I think that most people don't don't have that clear cut sense of here are things that I enjoy doing. And I know for my father in law when he retired at 65, 60, 65 
you know, the, <clears throat> the idea at that time was that most people live about 18 months after they retire, which is almost exactly the amount of time he lived after he retired. And he really was lost. He wouldn't have said he was lost because he was, you know, wanting to do some traveling and see his grandkids and do all those things. But so much of his identity or sense of, you know, purpose had been kind of caught up in the younger years of his life. Um, that he really didn't have that strong sense of what comes next because the idea that we're going to be fulfilled playing golf or you know taking cruises is a, is a smaller part of the population than than we think it is and that a lot of people just kind of quietly feel like they're left behind and i don't think we talk about that enough especially when you look at the numbers of people who struggle with their mental health into old age um and feeling like they somehow were made invisible um that's really challenging yeah our number is 805-781-3875. We're talking about retirement, what that looks like. And, you know, I don't see myself as a super negative person, but I feel like my experience working in the mental health field for almost 30 years is that more people suffer quietly or, you know, out of our visual range is that we tend to only focus on because we're looking at Instagram or television shows or the media or celebrities that we have this idea that there is, you know, this old age ability to just go off into the sunset doing what you want day in and day out. And, but it's not really true. And so should we have retirement more structured? Almost like how do we prepare people for retirement just like we, re- we prepare people through high school or through college to live out that, those working years of your life? Maybe there should be a retirement prep. Maybe. You know, so that so that there isn't just this big depression drop because for a lot of people they say that first year after retirement statistically people love it they are enjoying their freedom because they've been working for 30 something years and so who wouldn't love to have a year or two to fix the house up and to feel more active and to feel involved but then there's a slump that they go through after year two and for a lot of people it's hard to come back out because now they just feel like they're they're getting old that they see their youth kind of now far behind them and what felt really fun at the beginning starts to lose some of that uh, that second or third year out. And so I think a really great opera, I don't know what you would call it. Retirement prep is the only thing I can think of to help people transition and what that looks like for the, on an individual basis for each person. Are you someone like for me, I love to stuff my head with knowledge. I would, I just want to keep learning things for some people. It's like, I don't want to think about anything. I just want to have fun painting or doing my thing at my house. So to help people find that, because I think less people really know what they love and are passionate about than those who do. I don't know. 805-781-3875 is our number. And Dorothy, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind today? Well, I'm just wanting to put forward another option. Okay. Um, I retired in 2012, and I gave myself a few months, of course, while I was continuing to take classes and attend social events and so forth. And I came across ULab, which is a product of Otto Charmer that comes out of MIT. It's a free program, and it's based on creating based on the emerging future rather than the past. So it's a way of, it's based on what he calls Theory U, which has to do with working from 
the heart, the will, and and being able to look to what we hold commonly mm-hmm. and create programs in the future. So in my case, I'm doing a project here in San Luis Obispo at the Unitarian Church on anti-oppression, um, which is one of our our important values currently. And it has, I'm one of 240 projects that are handled there. That's something like 2,000 people involved in the project in wow. 40 different countries around the world. Wow. And by being part of that project, the other people participating in the other project can see what the project's doing. And I can see what they're doing in their projects as well. And they're working with government agencies or governments or indigenous people. There are all many different varieties. And for me, because I have a lot of curiosity, it feeds my curiosity. And locally, my anti-oppression work is looking at removing things like judgments from our language and providing a place which we're calling Be Heard Here, where you can speak what your issues are, be heard, have it reflected back to you, reflect back to the people that have been listening, so it's a deep listening process, and then knowing what your next step is going to be or what exactly you need in the way of help for the work that you want to do. And it's very fulfilling it you know it comes straight from the heart yeah so So you almost found a way to do more deep almost spiritual work in that second half of your life through this program very practical as well yeah absolutely (laughs) dorothy thank you for taking the time to call and and what was the name of the organization again that you're part of so you lab is the is what auto charmer is the he's actually I think a business school professor at MIT. Fascinating. And just, so this is housed at MIT. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to participate. And it gives you a yeah. whole new uh, opportunity to grow your life and be a part of what's happening in the emerging. Uh, future, which is wonderful because we do spend a lot of time thinking about our past and what a great way to enhance your older years as to be part of building a a new future. Thank you, Dorothy, for taking the time to call. This is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett. Our number is 805-781-3875 if you'd like to be part of our conversation. And Victoria, are you there? Hi there. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I, I love your conversation, and um, I guess I'm semi-retired, but still working for different reasons. And I, I think I would like to pose, and you've, you've talked about it, kind of danced around this, all of you that have spoken, that um, I wish we had more flexible ways to work. Yes. You know, where we w- wasn't just this, you know, where we had to have certain, just, you know, the, the jobs, have certain hours of the day and certain days of the week. And and I just, as I look around me even, there are people that really can't work full-time for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But they might be able to work part-time, but they can't live on that. So, you know, it just feels like there are all these kind of fragments in our society 
in part because our work life is so, I guess, so so characterized, you know, and, and not flexible enough for individuals to kind of do both, you know, uh, work and take care of themselves and mm-hmm. take care of their home life. And, and even if they're not capable of working full-time, where do they fit in, you know? So I would like to evolve as a society where we have more flexibility for people and and allow people to move into other areas of work when they need to. I agree. You know, and, and what's interesting is when you look at the four tenets of mental wellness, the very first one is meaningful work. So for mm-hmm. for all people to have the sense that something that you're getting up to do contributes to society in some way. And what I mentioned earlier in the show is that we still follow a work pattern from the industrial revolution when we were working right. shifts on, you know, the conveyor belt and nothing really has shifted from that. I mean, there's some outlier companies that have more progressive ways of allowing people to work, but, but really overall we are still structured in the shift based work that most people work a nine to five of some sort of shift based work. And what's tough about that also, Victoria, is that if you are the caregiver of your family for your children, and then for your parents as they age, you know, the highest rate of poverty in our society are women 65 and older who have taken time out because they had to care for people that were sick or, you know, aging parents. And we have no flexibility in helping those women stay afloat, you know, in more creative ways. So, yeah, I agree that that maybe retirement is obsolete and, and maybe we should stop talking about retirement and retirement ages because it is so vast and maybe talk about work as a lifetime activity. And if we thought of work as a lifetime activity, then maybe we would just, we'd be able to adjust how working looks uh, in a well, more productive paid way. work and unpaid work. And it, then there are yeah. people that volunteer and they mm-hmm. perform like any other hardworking worker would, yes. you know, and, and it just feels like our compensation system is out of balance as far as providing for people's needs that allows them more freedom. Even the, the point you made earlier about if we didn't worry about health care, how many people would do a job that they loved mm-hmm. instead of another job? And even the folks, again, that, you know, they they could work four or five hours a day if they needed to, you know, have less work time and had known that their social services were provided for. You know, there are just different things I feel like our society could do that might increase productivity, actually. No, I agree. And I, I think this, this idea I'm having that maybe it's the idea of retirement, which is the problem, um, because it... it in implies that there is a time in our life where we stop working and that's it. But the reality is for most people, there is some form of work that they do for all of their lives. It's a very few people that retire completely. So maybe we should remove retirement from the conversation and talk about how do we do universal work opportunities, you know, that, that people can do unpaid labor and have their health care paid for and know that mm-hmm. their you know needs are being met. I am looking forward to actually continuing this conversation another time because maybe the next conversation is what does a creative life's work look like if it didn't include mm-hmm. retirement at all well there cool. we go i know or some of that you know we all need a year or two off like you said catch up on things that are neglected and yes and that's the other thing is if, if you do that 
you know, then can you come back? <laughs> yes, which is what I hesitate from retiring for because I don't think I get to ever come back to this. So mm-hmm. if I leave, I need to really think hard about it. Victoria, thank you so much for taking the thank time to you, call. Elizabeth. This has been a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email to Elizabeth at thereluctanttherapist.com or send me a message through Instagram or Facebook. You can listen to previous shows at kcbx.org or share the show or listen at your convenience by podcasting the show wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, For now, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening and supporting this community right here at Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX. Some people win, some people always